I'm not good enough to do this or that. I'm not qualified. I'm not like that person. I would say, good. You shouldn't be like that person. You have different gifts. But if you're using that difference as a means to disqualify yourself from doing anything, then there is a part of the body of Christ that is lacking or suffering because you are not pulling your weight. Have you heard about this new trend for people to be buried in glass coffins? If someone told me about this and they were talking about this, that celebrities are doing this, they want to be buried in glass coffins, it's very like romantic, Disney movie-esque or whatever. And my friend was like, well, do you think, you know, glass coffins are going to be successful? And I was like, hmm, remains to be seen. I like that one. That one takes a minute. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 163. So great to have you back. If this is your first time listening, we start every episode with a dad joke. I hope you enjoyed that. Might have to rewind and go listen to that one again. But if it's your first time listening, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. Tell your family and friends the best Highest compliment you can pay us is to share this on social media or with someone you think may benefit from it. And if you do that on social media, please tag us on Instagram at Man of Food for Thought. You can find all of our other social media content and uh, handles and all of that on our website, manoffoodforthought.com. You can contact us there with episode requests, questions, whatever it might be. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button to uh, have our weekly newsletter sent to you, which has a reflection on the responsorial psalm every week. And hit the Give button where you can become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month because this podcast does cost money to host, and we appreciate all of you who are patrons. Thank you so much for your prayers and for your support. Without further ado, let's get into our podcast with a joy, junk, and Jesus. So my joy this week um, was that a few things. Uh, Today is my last uh, lunch duty at my daughter's school, and I'm not joyful because it's my last one. I'm actually joyful because I've really enjoyed it. just these kids at the school are so entertaining. And I'm not there, unfortunately, on the days that my daughter goes. Um, I will be next year. but um, <clears throat> So I don't get to see her, but I get to see all these other kids interacting and playing. And the younger kids right now are all about kickball. But the older kids, especially the older boys, uh, play this game uh, on the basketball court called Knockout. You may have heard of it. it. involves like a line of shooters and two basketballs. But they all are always cheating. Uh, well, not all of them. Some of them are cheating and they're really sore losers. And so I find myself rooting against the sore losers. <laughs> and and I don't know if that's a nice charitable thing to do, but I don't know. I just get excited to see them come play and to see some of the more um, kind of more rude and less um, honorable ones uh, get knocked out of the game. So, um, but not, you know, wishing them any ill will other than hoping they'll learn the error of their ways. But anyway, that's a joy to me. Also, um, you know, my good friend and coworker Katie just graduated. Uh, and so we got to go to her graduation party. She's actually graduating today. So if you could pray for her and we got to see our best friends that same day, the DiBernardos, and they came over for dinner. So, uh, it's been a really wonderful, uh, wonderful week. Uh, my junk, Uh, Last week, you know, I was really, I really kind of had it on my heart to say and do some specific things in ministry. And when it came to delivering them, it was just, I don't know, it was a humbling experience. I don't think it was that I was doing the wrong thing. It was just kind of, I don't know. It's hard to explain without getting specific, but it just was clear that um, God has everything in control. And I don't always need to insert myself into situations. And, um, and even when I do, and it's helpful, 
God can still handle it. So um, I think that was just kind of my lesson. Um, I'm still grateful for how everything worked out um, with all of that. So um, my Jesus moment, um, last night, every Sunday we have family dinner. So um, last night we invited over um, my spiritual director, who's also um, my son's godfather, and a great priest, Father Tim, and he does all this amazing stuff. And he's just, you know, very creative, very passionate guy about his faith and um, just very um, prolific in the stuff that he creates. And and yet he takes the time to sit on the couch with my kids and read Fancy Nancy to them. And it was, just, I don't know, it was just really beautiful. And it was great to have him there and because he's a part of our family. And so, um, yeah, it was really wonderful. So that's mine. I'd love to hear yours um, or at least have you reflect on yours to notice how the Lord is working in your life. And without further ado, let's get into the second reading for this upcoming Sunday. This upcoming Sunday is Pentecost, the birthday of the church, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So I hope that is something you are looking forward to, as I very much am. And the second reading for this upcoming Sunday comes from the first letter of Corinthians, um, chapter 12. Uh, And this is in a big section of the book of uh, Corinthians on uh, the gathering, was what they called it at the time, which was, you know, how they did Mass, how they were gathering as church and what gifts, you know, uh, how gifts are meant to complement one another and to be unified, and that everyone has a role to play in the church. And they were, Paul lived in Corinth, where he's writing this letter to, for a year and a half. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 18. Corinth is sometimes compared to Las Vegas of its day, but ten times worse. It was a huge cultural and religious melting pot. It was a port city with a booming economic center of trade, and it had a lot of sinful and lascivious lifestyles and practices being promulgated throughout the city. And so Paul writes uh, about, you know, in the letter of Corinthians to some of the divisions between leaders and favoritism. He writes a lot about sexual morality and food and ritual purity. But then he gets into the section about all the difficulties they've been having in just the gathering of mass and church and being this community, trying to live set apart in this very, you know, tumultuous city. And so how do you do that? Um, and so that's kind of what he is, he's getting at here. Um, this is one of, uh, two letters to the Corinthians we have in scripture, one of potentially four or more that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. You can see references to the other letters he wrote in first Corinthians five, nine and second Corinthians chapter two, verses three to four, where you have references to other communication he had with them. So it was a beloved community to him. I believe he founded this church community. He very much saw himself as a spiritual father to them. So this is what he writes to them and what we read this Sunday in the second reading for Pentecost. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, Brothers and sisters, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God who produces all of them and everyone. To each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. As a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons, and we were all given to drink of one spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this Sunday's second reading, uh, we have from the section on the unity of the gifts in the spirit, Uh, This recognition that Jesus is not enough. 
And that might strike you as a controversial or kind of out there thing to say, but Jesus is not enough. He himself says he's not enough. He says, it's better for you that I go because if I do not go, I cannot send you the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, we can't even proclaim that Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit's been operating in us since the beginning of time. And yet we're going to receive, the church receives on Pentecost, a full outpouring of the Holy Spirit to be used to build up the church. And we remember that every single year and we pray for that continuous outpouring in our own lives. And it's a recognition that you and I have gifts that need to be shared. I think a lot of times when we sit down in church and we look around or we get involved in ministry, we all suffer from something called imposter syndrome where you're looking around and you have this assumption that everyone else has their life together more than you do. Everyone else knows their faith better than you. They're living it out better. They're not struggling with the same sins that you are. And nothing could be further from the truth. I think that's a lie that the devil wants to whisper to all of us to keep us isolated, to not encourage us to go into community, to be vulnerable, to share what's on our hearts. Because once we do, once we begin to share how the Lord is working in our lives, we begin to recognize we all share the same struggles. We all have the same doubts. And when those things are spoken aloud, they become less burdensome, less worrying, less terrifying, because we recognize other people can keep us accountable. Other people can relate. We are not alone. And so we often kind of feel like when we don't do that, isolated, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough of being here. God would never pick me to do these holy and miraculous things I read about in scripture. Yes, I know that they're promised to all of us, but that's for those really holy people. I still kind of got to work on myself until I get to that level. And that's not true. Like you have gifts that need to be shared now as you are. It says to each individual, the manifestation of the spirit is given for some benefit to all of us. It does, there's no caveat or qualifier there. It doesn't say, and then you can't use it until you're perfect or until you have your life together. No, you have the spirit by virtue of your baptism and especially your confirmation. But anyone who's baptized has received the Holy Spirit and the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they are operating in them. When we are confirmed, we receive a fuller outpouring of that Holy Spirit to go and share and defend the faith out in the world and to live as witnesses, as disciples of Jesus Christ. We're called to do that by virtue of our baptism, but our baptism really roots us and trenches us in an identity as children of God. And when we notice and recognize we're children of God, that everyone is a child of God, we begin to recognize that we have a certain dignity, others have a certain dignity, and those gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to manifest. We be begin to operate with wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, fortitude, piety, fear of the Lord, these seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so those things are at work in us. But you also have other gifts. You know, we call this in the church charisms of the Holy Spirit. They're unique gifts to you that you have been given a unique combination of to fulfill a unique mission that only you can fulfill. And so if you're sitting there in the church, in the ministry, in your own life, saying, well, I'm not good enough to do this or that. I'm not qualified. I'm not like that person. I would say, good, you shouldn't be like that person. You have different gifts. But if you're using that difference as a means to disqualify yourself from doing anything, then there is a part of the body of Christ that is lacking or suffering because you are not pulling your weight. You, I, I want to encourage you listening to this, like do not disqualify yourself. Do not try to be like other people. I want to continue reading a little bit further in this chapter. And I would encourage you this week, sit down with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read it in its entirety. Maybe read it a few times through because it's really beautiful and brilliant. 
But this was an issue at the time, okay? In 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 14, Paul writes this. He says, Now the body is not a single part, but many. If a foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it does not for this reason belong any less to the body. Or if an ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it does not for this reason belong any less to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God placed the parts, each one of them, in the body as he intended. If they were all one part, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. This was an issue in the early church. Everyone was looking around, trying to be like everyone else. They would see these great preachers like, like Peter and Paul and Apollos, and they would want to be like them. And it's great if you have those gifts, and it's great for other people's faith to inspire you to grow in your own. But we can't fall under the misconception that faithfulness always results in the same fruitfulness. Faithfulness does not always result in the same fruitfulness. In each one of our lives, the fruit of the Spirit is going to look different. The unique ways that the Holy Spirit is operating in and through us are going to be different. And if we spend our entire lives trying to be like everyone else, we're never going to outdo them. You know, no one is going to be a better me than I can, and I'm not going to be a better anyone else. If I'm trying to be Dr. Scott Hahn, you know, my whole life, I'm never going to be better at him. I'm never going to be better than that at him. What am I trying to say? Better than him at that. <laughs> and vice versa, if he were trying to be me, he would never do as good of a job as I could. There's a unique mission that we have that we are throwing away when we are looking to our left and our right and comparing ourselves to others and acting as though we need to be a certain way, live a certain way, act a certain way before God can use us or before we are worthy of the Holy Spirit operating in and through us. We cannot devalue our gifts, and we cannot devalue the gifts of others either. There are some people in the church who, who we see helping and assisting, and we're like, that, that, that's not like what we should be doing. Like People should be doing this how I'm doing it, and pride can seep in. This can be the opposite end of the spectrum. And Paul speaks to this too. It, continuing in verse 21, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, nor again to the feet, I do not need you. Indeed, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are all the more necessary. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we surround with greater honor. And our less presentable parts are treated with greater propriety. Whereas our more presentable parts do not need this. But God has so constructed the body as to give greater honor to a part that is without it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the parts may have the same concern for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts share its joy. We are so bad at taking personal responsibility and also at celebrating and affirming others. We want the opposite. We want people to celebrate and affirm us and our achievement. We get very hurt when people don't notice all the hard work that we've done. We want the recognition. And we, need, we look out with a critical lens at others and expect them to take ownership, them to come forward, them to be the ones who take responsibility for the things that they're doing. We judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. And we need to do the opposite. We need to ask, how are my actions being perceived? What are the things that I'm actually doing? And then we assume the best intentions in others. We celebrate them. We affirm the good that they are doing, even if we are not being celebrated or affirmed in the good that we are doing. We cannot devalue the gifts of others, just like we cannot devalue our own gifts. That is not what the Holy Spirit wants. The Holy Spirit wants to bring abundance 
unity and show how all of these gifts, all of the parts of the body work together. Because, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit will do amazing and incredible things in and through you. I quote John 14, 12 all the time where Jesus says, You will do the works that I do and even greater ones than these because I am going to the Father. Because he's going to the Father, because he ascended into heaven, and he's now enthroned in heaven, interceding for us, present to us, sending us the Holy Spirit. Because of that, we can do greater things than Jesus did in his earthly ministry. Isn't that incredible? That you and I have that ability through our charisms, through our gifts, to do even greater things. And I talk about this all the time in what Peter did on the first day of the church, the birthday of the church in Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit is poured out. The church that was then 120 disciples, you can read that in Acts chapter 1, Peter goes out and gives one speech and it multiplies to 3,000 more people that are baptized that day because of one speech that Peter gave animated by the Holy Spirit. Jesus chose to restrain himself in a human body and to suffer the way that he did, even though he could have done it all himself because he wants us to be co-creators. He wants us to take ownership and responsibility. He wants us to use our gifts for the glory of God and to build the kingdom. We all have a unique role to play. We are only in the positions that we are in, in our workplaces, in our lives, in many of the organizations we belong to, because someone who could have done something better allowed us to do it anyway. They invited us, they delegated to us, they invited us to try it. Whether you apprenticed with someone, whether you were learning under someone who was mentoring you, whether you took on something that someone else had done for many years and they were training you, they allowed you to do these things, even though they could have done them better. And God does the same thing for us all the time. He calls us to things that, yes, he could do better, but he doesn't want to do them himself because he desires us to be part of the body. Toward the end of, of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul emphasizes this. He says, now you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. Some people God has designated in the church to be, to be first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then mighty deeds, then gifts of healing, assistance, administration, and varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work mighty deeds? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Strive eagerly for the greatest spiritual gifts. Paul here is saying there are some gifts that are supernaturally ordered, and we can strive for those. We can ask for them, but we need to ask for them for a particular purpose and recognize why we are asking for them. Do I want glory and attention for myself? Or do I want to build up the kingdom of God? Do I want to truly be a humble vessel of the Lord so that people will know him? To be able to authentically say, Lord, give me your gifts. Send your Holy Spirit. I don't care if anyone in history remembers my name or anything that I did, but I desperately want them to know you and your love because there is no other path to fulfillment and happiness in this life that is lasting or eternal than, than you. And if we have that ardent desire and we pray for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come and do incredible things. In Story of a Soul, which is an autobiography of, of St. Therese of Lisieux, it has some writings of St. Therese, and, and she wrote this, uh, I saw that every flower he has created has a beauty of its own, that the splendor of the rose and the lily's whiteness do not deprive the violet of its scent, nor make less ravishing the daisy's charm. I saw that if every little flower wished to be a rose, nature would lose her spring adornments, and the fields would no longer be enameled 
with their varied flowers. You are going to bloom and blossom at a different time and in a different way than the people around you. And you will do it with different colors and different scents, different abilities, different charisms of the Holy Spirit. And that is a beautiful thing. And so I really want to encourage you, reflect on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, read through it several times this week, and recognize where you see yourself in that passage, how you may struggle to see your own spiritual gifts, to use them, how you may struggle with judging the spiritual gifts of others or trying to be like others and neglecting what God has given you. Do you recognize that God is trying to do supernatural things through you, even though that may seem very impossible, humbling and overwhelming to you? And maybe you want those things, but you want them for the wrong reasons, because you're proud and you want to uh, be noticed or uh, get the attention of others. Maybe that's something that you need to bring to prayer, bring to confession. But this passage can very much illuminate how the gifts of the Holy Spirit are meant to be manifesting in our lives. Because as the second reading says, we can't even say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. We all have been given the Holy Spirit for some benefit, all given to drink of one spirit. So what does that look like in your own life? You know, this week that this podcast comes out is the week between Ascension and Pentecost. Ten days of waiting, of expectation, where Jesus was no longer there in the same way he was, but the Holy Spirit had not yet come. And maybe you, you are in a similar season. Maybe you're in a season of waiting or expectation. And I just want to encourage you also to remember, just because God is not present or speaking in the same way he used to, does not mean he is not with you. And it does not mean that he is not going to fulfill the promises he has made to you for an abundant life, for a life that is for your good. He has promised to send the Holy Spirit. He has promised to bring you a life of abundance. He has promised to have all things work for good, even moments of suffering. And he always delivers on his promises. It may not be in the time that we think, in the way that we think, but he always delivers on his promises. And so if you are in that season of waiting or expectation, or if you are in that season of feeling disqualified, worried, doubting that you are good enough, that you are qualified to do the things that Jesus has said, recognize that that outpouring of the Holy Spirit is awaiting you. But maybe that doubt and that worry is an obstacle to the Holy Spirit. And letting go and recognizing that Jesus is faithful. He's, he's present to you even if it's in a different way. He's speaking to you even if it's in a different way than he used to. He has not abandoned you. He says, I will be with you always until the end of the age. And so he is with you. The Holy Spirit is desiring to work in and through you in supernatural, profound ways, unique ways that he only desires to work through you. And you have a unique role to play in this grand plan of salvation history and building the kingdom of God and leading others to heaven. So pray for openness to that. Pray for the Holy Spirit to come into your life in a bold and new way, to unlock that Holy Spirit that's been given to you by virtue of your baptism and confirmation, that maybe there are obstacles enshrouding you being able to fully operate in that Holy Spirit because of your own doubt, because of this feeling of imposter syndrome, whatever it might be. Let go of those things and just continue to pray with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the prayer, simple prayer, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. I desire these gifts so that others may know you, not for my own glory, but for yours. God bless you, and I will see you in the Eucharist. Thank you.